Well, before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. The Torah begins with the book of Genesis in Hebrew, Breshit, which means in the beginning. The Torah begins with the beginning. That's where it starts. It's the first thing we need to know. And if you get the first verse into your heart and into your mind, the rest of the scriptures can begin to take their place. But for all of you who are skim readers and you just flip through things, don't skip this first verse. It's really important. It's a starting point. It's there for a reason. It declares that God himself brought the universe into existence and by his sovereign actions alone, space-time reality was created. By God's creative actions, every one of us came into existence. We were all made in his image. So you can look around and you can see we're all quite different, but we're made in his image. And humanity and all living creatures have our genesis in God. And for this reason, we're accountable to him for the lives that we lead. And for this reason, we have to keep looking to him for wisdom, for understanding, for guidance, so that we can live well and live in a way that brings glory and honor to God. As well, we read in the book of Genesis in the first readings for this year that we need God, but we also need each other. And that's why Yeshua later taught that the two greatest commandments have to do with loving both God and people. And it's why the Lord made a comment in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And if you have a Bible and can turn there, that would be great. And I was thinking about something. Uh, a lot of us are using digital Bibles. I've got a lot of them on my phone. But there's something special about handling the Torah scroll today. The, which is concrete and physical and handwritten and a real treasure. And it's not just a reproduction. It is not simply uh, a digital facsimile. It's not a printout. It, and as many different ways as we can have access to the scriptures, the handwritten Torah scrolls have been the basis for preserving us over all these centuries. And even before the time of Yeshua, when it was a crime during the period right before Hanukkah and the Maccabean revolt, it was a crime to have a Torah scroll. And it was a capital crime. And there are many times when totalitarian governments have made it illegal and thus dangerous for someone to actually have a Torah scroll or to have a Bible even, it should encourage us about the value of the scriptures. Amen. They are precious. God made a comment in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. The Lord God said, 
It is not good for man to be alone. I will make Ezer Konegdo for him. Ezer Konegdo. Say that with me. Ezer Konegdo. Y'all did better with the Ezer. Let's try it one more time. Ezer Konegdo. Yeah, good, good. So what does Ezer Konegdo mean? Well, Ezer means helper. And Konegdo has two different meanings, but we'll use fitting, so a fitting helper. And think about this. God says it's not good for man to be alone, but man was not actually alone at that moment. There was God, and God was with man. And so God was looking at this human and saying, it's not good for you to be alone. And yet he was with God, and God was saying it's not enough. So of course man needs God, but man also needs woman. A fitting helper, not an assistant. The Holy Spirit is also called Ezer, a helper, and he's not an assistant, folks. He's so much more than that. He's, Ezer means much more than assistant. The Hebrew phrase, Ezer Konegdo can be translated in two completely different ways. One way is suitable, and the other way is opposite. So suitable would mean corresponding to, or complementing him. And when I say complement, I'm using that English word that is spelled with all E's, no I in the middle. Complement means to complete or to, um, to connect to and, and add to. Complement with an I means to say something nice. So God was not saying, man, you need a woman so you can get some nice thing said to you. That's not what Ezer Konegdo means. So it means suitable or complementary, corresponding to. But it can also mean, and this is the challenging thing, it can mean opposite, opposing, and even fighting and struggling with the man. And so this phrase, Ezer Konegdo, two translations that reflect two ways of being and two very different kinds of relationships. So the question is, what determines whether uh, a relationship has the Ezer Konegdo of one kind or the Ezer Konegdo of another kind? And Jewish sages have, have come up with a simple idea that if the man is worthy, his wife will be a help to him who's suitable. And if the man is unworthy, she will oppose him. And so then the question is, well, what's worthy? And worthy means to try to live in a way that pleases God. And unworthy means to ignore what pleases God and to not pay attention also to the needs of his wife. So, there you have it. Now, the Torah goes on to tell us that God built woman. It's interesting. Woman comes from man, but she's distinct from him. She shares much of the same qualities, but she's not the same. How many of you can confirm that a woman is different from a man? 
And a man is different from a woman. Yeah, because not everybody's clear about that these days. <laughs> In fact, when God took part of man and made woman, he did something else. He changed the genetics. And woman shares much of the genetics of a man, but has some distinct genetics and distinct health issues, for instance, and developmental issues. And from this, we can take an important lesson. Men and women need each other, and though we are different, we need each other. In fact, because we're different, we can be good for each other. And you remember, you remember the story, the way the book of Genesis tells us God uh, <clears throat> brought all the animals before the man to see if there was an Ezer Konegdo there. And you know, guys like dogs, and horses and all sorts of things, but there was no animal. There was no living soul in creation that really corresponded to man and would be good for him. And so God created from man something like man, but different. And in the difference, we can be good for each other. So if you do like the person sitting next to you. Look at them for just a second with a smile and say, different is good. Different is good. Different's good. And when we understand this, we can recognize a pattern in the scripture. The pattern of mutual need and value applies for many other categories. We can be different, but we need each other. We can be different, but we have worth and value. So I'll, I'll go through some examples. Male and female need each other. That's what the Lord said. It's not good for man to be alone. He creates woman so that they can become basarachad, one flesh together. Young and old need each other. Jews and Gentiles need each other. Blacks and whites need each other. You can go on, this pattern of mutuality is foundational to the idea as well of the body of Messiah. That the body is made up of different parts, but we have mutual need and mutual value. We are valued and we are valuable. The pattern is expressed in the New Covenant metaphor of the body of Messiah. And the body metaphor is used to convey the idea that we need each other and are valuable to each other because, because of our differences. That's what's interesting, because of our differences. And Paul writes to the Corinthians with a little bit of Jewish humor in the way that he communicates in chapter 12, verses 14 through 20. You could also say there's a little bit of boyish humor in the way that Paul is writing. And Paul is not well known as a humorist. Many people think Paul only had a serious side, but if you pay attention to this, you'll see there's a bit of humor embedded in this. Verse 14, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, 
because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It's not for this reason any the less a part of the body. So here we have talking feet, we have talking ears. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, I actually like to ponder this one. <laughs> this is what Paul is saying. If, if you could imagine the body just being one big eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, I hope you see the humor in what Paul is communicating, but there's a serious side to it. He, he's touching on something that you could, you could connect to, that the body is made up of different parts and they all fit together. However, it's also important to understand that it would be absurd for the body to be reduced to one organ. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be, he says. One part cannot say to another part, I have no need of you. And this helps us grasp very important principles about our human nature, our identity, and our belonging to something greater. We have different functions, different gifts and abilities, you name it, our individuality, even our rarity or our uniqueness is the means by which we all fit into the greater body. Our differences are meant to be appreciated and celebrated. And that's why I encourage you to say to someone, different is good. You may be one of a kind. You may even be an oddball but you're still part of the body. Now there are two temptations that are important to recognize. One is the way a person thinks about themselves and they say, well, I'm different, so I don't belong because I'm different. And Paul is saying that's, that's a wrong way of thinking. And then there's another temptation which says, you're different, so you don't belong. You're different, so I don't need you. And he's saying that is also wrong. It takes all of us together. Now, this is born from the same reality of male and female. It's a grand pattern for humanity. It wasn't good for man to be alone. Man needed woman. Woman from man, but different, different is good. We need each other and we attain fullness together, and we can't reach our highest levels all by ourselves. Now, let's take this pattern and see how it applies in other areas. The same pattern of mutuality applies to Jews and Gentiles. And there are two verses in Romans 11 that speak together about this. Romans 11, verse 12 says this, Now if Israel's stumbling means riches for the world, 
if their falling down is given rich opportunity for the Gentiles, how much more will Israel's fullness mean for the nations of the world? How much more? That's very important. Fullness here, I think, means the full measure of godly qualities and full representation and full participation. So the fullness of Israel is going to be a greater blessing for the nations. The fullness of the nations is meant to be good for Israel as well. Romans 11 verse 25 connects to this. For brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this truth which God had formerly concealed, but has now revealed. So that you won't imagine you know more than you actually do. It is that stoniness to a degree has come upon Israel until the Gentile world enters into its fullness. Now let's look at some important ideas here. Concealed means hidden, right? Who did the concealing according to Paul? God, that's what he writes. God had formerly concealed this. And that's worth pondering. There's something about all this we have to discover. So Paul is saying that the Jewish people are waiting for the other nations to enter into their fullness. And again, fullness is not about number, it's about quality. It's about the same thing that applies to the Jewish people. Full measure of godly qualities, full representation, and full participation. And so when Jews and Gentiles recognize that we are interdependent and interconnected and that we need each other, then we're grasping what Paul is talking about. We need each other. Both are called to value each other and to do good to the other. That's what mutuality is all about. Now let's take it another direction. This pattern also applies to blacks and whites in an interesting way. Here's something to think about. There are Jews who are black. There are Jews who are white. There are Jews who are brown. And there are Gentiles who are black. There are Gentiles who are white. There are Gentiles who are brown. Jews cannot reach fullness as Jews if we don't appreciate and value all kinds of Jews. And that includes all colors of Jews. And it may not be obvious to everyone. All language groups of Jews, because Jews are scattered throughout the whole world. Jews speak as their first language, the language of all these different lands. And it's also why we have to reject what's called sinat chinam, causeless hatred, which is a deep root cause of division. Well, in the same way, Gentiles can't reach fullness until there's an appreciation and valuing of all kinds of Gentiles too. Because I wanna, I wanna elaborate on this. You see, it's not just Jews appreciating the same kinds of Jews as they are and then appreciating Gentiles as if Gentiles are different then, but Jews learning to appreciate all kinds of Jews. 
And Gentiles have to learn how to appreciate all kinds of Gentiles. How many know this, that the Gentile world, all the nations of the world are not doing so well getting along with each other? And that's been a problem for a long time, right? So fullness is, is a quality that the world and creation is still yearning for. So Gentiles can't reach fullness until there's appreciation and valuing of all kinds of Gentiles. That includes all colors of Gentiles all language groups of Gentiles. Gentiles of valuing and appreciating all kinds of Gentiles. So here we have it. Each group, Jews and Gentiles, have to reckon with their own racial diversity, their own language and geographic and cultural diversity. Both groups also have to accept the racial diversity of the other group. It comes with the territory, folks. Both groups have to learn what can be called ahavat chinam. That's Hebrew for causeless love or the love without bound, boundaries is the kind of love Yeshua talks about. And the same principle holds for male and female. So here's the way it works, folks, and brace yourselves. For almost every category of humanity that you can think of, both parts are needed and both parts need each other. The prophet Joel puts it this way, God will pour his spirit out on all flesh and blood. That's pretty inclusive, wouldn't you say? That's the goal, wouldn't you say? Now, the way many of us are inclined to think sometimes is God will pour out his spirit on people just like me. God will work through people just like me. We all can think like that. But it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for Jews to think this way. It's not good for Gentiles to think this way. It's not good for anyone in the body of Messiah to think this way. Joel says that young and old will receive the Spirit. Male and female, servants, both men and women. And here's how uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 puts it. One body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Jews and Greeks, slave and free, one body together, all of us given one and the same spirit. Now here's how Galatians chapter three, verse 28 puts it. And I'm using what you can call the David Levine Amplified Translation here. Galatians 3:28. There is no difference in value between Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female, for you are all valuable and incorporated into one body through Messiah, Yeshua. Many translations that may be deeply embedded in your mind say something a little different. They say there's neither Jew nor Greek. 
which makes people think that there aren't Jews and there aren't Greeks anymore. But there are Jews and there are Greeks. And there are males and females, am I right? There are males and females. So in a sense, that kind of translation doesn't capture what the text is really saying. It's saying that we all have the value to God. We are all valuable, even Jews and Greeks, even male and female, even the slave and the free person. And we're all part of one body. This is how Isaiah put it, Isaiah 56, verse 3. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. You see, there's a temptation that people can have if you weren't born Jewish and then you see the importance to God of the Jewish people, you might say, well, unless I'm Jewish, I don't have importance. And Isaiah, way back then, is saying, wrong. Don't let foreigners, don't let those who are not born into Jewish families who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. He will. And again in Isaiah 56, verse 7, the Lord says, my house will be called a house of prayer for, do you know? For all Nations, for all peoples. This vision of Isaiah is is present even in the early parts of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter two, verses two and three. In the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Say, Say that with me, all nations will stream to it. And many different people groups will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths for the Torah will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So I want you to see the pattern here again, the pattern of mutual need and value because this pattern is essential to messianic life and to the great hope that we have for God's shalom, for his peace to touch this world. You see, there will be people from the other nations who will say, let's go up to the house of the Lord. Let's go to the house of the God of Jacob. Solomon saw the same pattern when he was praying over the dedication of the Jerusalem temple, and he prayed to God. Second Chronicles chapter 6 Verse 32, this was his prayer. In the future, foreigners who do not belong to your people Israel will hear of you. So I want you to grasp this. This means it's not the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not the lost tribes of the house of Israel. It's people who are of a different ethnic group. Do you get that? Foreigners who don't belong to your people Israel will hear of you. They will come from distant lands when they hear of your great name and your strong hand and your powerful arm. And when they pray toward this temple, that's 
that passage is, is one of the reasons why we turn towards Jerusalem when we pray the Shema together. It's the same idea. It's this idea that, that people all over the world are going to recognize that God is doing something, the God of Israel is doing something, and rather than feel estranged, they will recognize they're a part of it. And rather than feeling competitive, they will feel cooperative. They want to be like God called the woman to be, Ezer Konegdo. They want to be corresponding and suitable, different, but fitting together and adding completeness. Zechariah saw the pattern when he was prophesying about the coming age of Messiah. It's in Zechariah 8.22. As a prophetic vision, the Lord gave Zechariah one verse. Many people from strong nations will come to Jerusalem to worship me, says the Lord, and to ask me to treat them with kindness. I love it. I, I want to stir the pot just a little bit more if I can. The pattern of mutual need and value also applies to the realm of politics, to socioeconomics, to education, to many other aspects of life, to demographic issues, to countries of origin, to language. There is a mutual need and value. We all need each other. That's what Paul is speaking about when he speaks about fullness. The Jewish people are waiting for Gentile nations to have fullness, and the Gentiles are waiting for Jewish people to have fullness. And how could we possibly have fullness? It's through the fact that Messiah can make us one. Not the same, but part of one body. He is not going to make us all into one big eyeball. He's not going to turn us all into noses. We being many are one body in Messiah. That's the way it is. That's the facts, folks. And all we have to do is get on board with the reality and not have another theory about humanity. The scriptures are trying to teach us in the beginning God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. And his word is powerful, and he has purposes for humanity. Humanity is not an accident. We have a purpose. We're made in God's, God's image. We are to learn how to love each other and how to carry out the will of God. It ain't easy. But it, it is the goal. We all need each other. Now, just because you think you don't need those other kinds of people, it doesn't mean you're right. It might just mean that you're an eyeball saying you don't need an ear if we can follow Paul's humor. 
So let's remember our differences are the means by which God fits all of us into his body. It's good that we're not the same. We need these differences. And I wanna thank you, Mishpacha, for taking such things to heart. It's, it's challenging during times of polarization and division, but we have been called to overcome it all because we're called to be one in Messiah, one body. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, you've made us one. Thank you, Lord. We're not one by our own doing, we're one by your doing. And we thank you, Lord, that you have called us to fit in together and to honor your creation and to recognize your differences and to find peace in that. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. In a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing, but I... I want to hold up something that you can just barely see the color of. This is our new Through the Scriptures reading plan for this year, starting right now. And thank you, Brian Rose, for all that you did to make this a reality. And it's a beautiful version that is laminated, which makes it extra strong and means it should last for the year, though you can take as many as you need. And we have them to, for you to take today. And they're wonderful. And being laminated, you'll have to discover a special pen of yours that works just the way you want it to, just like you had to discover special pens for the paper versions. Because some pens would bleed through, which created problems, or the ink would smear. So find a good pen. I recommend a Sharpie Fine Point. That's my recommendation. But I tested it with my favorite pen on earth, which is this pen. Actually, this is one of two. I have two favorites. And this one also works. It's a rollerball with really great qualities. I love pens, I'll just tell you that. But we'll give these to you, and um, you can take them and put them in your Bible and use them so you can follow along with our readings and always have read, this is my goal, my dream, that you would read the Torah, Haftor, and Brit HaKadoshah portions before you come to services. So that you know what we're talking about. It's just like the teacher, do you remember this in school? Your teacher would give you assignments to read before the class? Yeah. I have a dream. <laughs> uh, well, if this live stream is a blessing to you, if our Messianic Church Teachings podcast, if our sanctuary services, if our congregation is a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information is on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you 
and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen.